Thanks for braving the snow to be with us this morning. If you're ready, we're going to worship. Yep, kids are going to be up here during worship this morning, and then they will go downstairs, but come on in. We get to worship our King together. Hallelujah. I'm excited because He is moving. He is good. And just like the snow, He has washed us white as snow. So let's worship together. Amen. Blessing, honor, strength, and power.
And so when you're going through something hard, don't let the enemy tell you you're alone. You're not. You never will be. He is so good. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's still moving like he did in the Word. He is still, he is still overcoming for people. Let's believe that. As we sing this song, I just encourage you, whatever you're going through right now, give it to him. He's the same God. Do the same thing. 
children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then. God moved in power now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a
the Lord. 
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, live streamers, if you're watching on uh, live stream or, or uh, on Facebook, YouTube, wherever your platform you're on, it's good to have you. Get me a little bit here. Here we go. Check, check, one. There we go. Hello, hello, hello. One hour. 
All right, everybody, let's go. Come on in. I'm getting a little feedback there, Mike. If you can turn me down a hair. Keep going down so you don't hear that. Well, it's good to have you. I'm at, I'll be honest, I'm surprised to see this many of you out here this morning with all the snow, but well, you got here by a snowmobile, dog sled team, whatever you did, we're glad to have you. I was not expecting, I, I knew it was supposed to snow, but I didn't know it would be like this, but thanks for coming out to church today. So we're here and uh, amen. And if you're watching on live stream, we'll see you next week in the house. By the way, uh, next Sunday, before I forget, next Sunday is the fifth Sunday of the, of the month. That means one big family Sunday. And what that means is our kids are with us for the whole service and they participate with the service a little bit. We're, we're a multi-generational church. So uh, now and then we like everybody to be together for worship and, and time in the words. So that's next Sunday. Um, so uh, don't forget about that. So, so giving, tithe and offering, if you have something, uh, chairs in front of you have envelopes. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. They also, they also carry these uh, prayer request cards. So if you have a prayer request, uh, also wave your hand around. They'll give you one of these, uh, and then we uh, intercede and pray for these prayer requests. Uh, we're in 21 days of prayer. We'll talk about that in a minute. So you can ask for one of those also. So let me pray over your giving this morning. And you can bring it down if you have something. Lord, we thank you as we continue our worship today, uh, bringing the giving to the house, Lord, as, as the scriptures teach us to. And uh, we do so with a heart of gratitude, a joyful heart, a heart of thanksgiving for the provision that you have provided in our lives, Lord. That you, are, you are the God who provides. And we thank you for provision. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Bring it if you have it. Um, and I do have some announcements beyond next Sunday being One Big Family Sunday. Also, uh, don't forget next Sunday right after church, Judy Zerker is going to be with us. Uh, for And, and I, I said it was it's for parents, but if this interests you overall, anybody can stay for this. Uh, Judy just uh, said something to me about that. But she's going to be talking about social media and kids and uh, just so, sort of things to be aware of and just like everything in life something can be good until it's not social media is that way it can be good until it's not so uh, she's going to be talking about what it means uh, when you get out there in the digital footprints and things of that nature so that's next Sunday right after church there's a sign up sheet back there for that that way we know where to put it uh, after church so that's next week uh, don't forget in February we kick off our small groups so if you're interested in information about small groups and you weren't here last Sunday when we introduced our small group leaders, uh, let me know and we'll hook you up. Uh, also, love your marriage. Uh, every year right around Valentine's Day, we do an evening where we come together and just strengthen our marriages together uh, and spend the evening together. So that's February the 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. Child care provided. We'll provide a bunch of food. It'll be a good time. Sign up at the back for that. Uh, Margo has your year-end giving statement. So if you haven't got that, uh, please see her. Uh, let's see, where am I missing? Oh, 21 days of prayer. So we're into the last week of our 21 days of prayer. And certainly it's not that we only pray for 21 days, but 21 days of prayer every year is uh, our focus prayer time as a church for 2023. Uh, every Monday night from 6 to 7, we have church-wide prayer here, and that continues after the 21 days of prayer is over. But I believe in prayer because I believe in God. And I believe God responds to our prayer. 
God answers our prayer. God is involved in our life. Prayer is not about you getting God to do what you want him to do. Amen. Prayer is you learning God, getting in on what he wants to do, and participating in that. Right? Now, does, does that mean you can present your request to God? Well, yeah, he wants you to do that. It's part of you getting in on what he wants you to do. But it's not getting him to co-sign everything you want in life. It's, it's, it's understanding his will, and prayer forms you in a way to know that, hear that, then participate in it. So that's what prayer is all about. So uh, we've been teaching about prayer on Wednesday nights. By the way, this Wednesday, um, we're talking about fasting and what in the world that is. So we'll cover the subject of fasting this coming Wednesday. And then uh, I think a week from Wednesday, when you hear this term of prayer, spiritual warfare and things like that, we're going to talk about that a week from this Wednesday. Anyways, First Timothy chapter number six. We're still in our series entitled Pursue. And uh, a list that Paul made both in First and Second Timothy, uh, Timothy being a protege of Paul that uh, Paul set up in leadership, probably pastoral leadership, in the Ephesus church that was founded and growing and thriving. So the book of Ephesians was written to that church. So First and Second Timothy are letters that Paul wrote to Timothy to instruct him, encourage him, uh, and sort of uh, continue to raise him up as he was doing. In both 1 and 2 Timothy, um, once in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says to flee something, but then in turn, he makes lists. Paul is a list maker when he writes. If you ever read uh, the letters of Paul, he's always making lists and they're real dense and thick, saying a lot in just a couple sentences. Then he lists some things that Timothy should pursue. And both the list in First and Second Timothy, they overlap for most of it, then each one's just a little bit different. So we've been walking through uh, both of those lists, talking about some different things that Timothy encouraged, uh, was encouraged by Paul to pursue. Now remember, again, and I know we keep saying this, but pursuit is chasing after something in order to catch it. You, you, ever, uh, you ever play tag when you were a kid? One, one time uh, we, we were at a youth camp and up at Ohio Northern University and we were playing capture the flag. How many ever played Capture the Flag? I mean, it's a fun game. But the thing was, we were playing it, it was dark out. It may not be the best thing, but we were having a good time. And there's, there's a kid named Josh who grew up in church. He's still at the church over there. Uh, I heard the story later. He was chasing somebody, and he didn't see in the dark the telephone, you know, those wires that come down. He just kind of full-on spread eagle right into that telephone pole wire. He left a nice mark on him. It's a great story, but he was pursuing somebody hard. You know, he was after him, chasing him with everything he had, and just wiped himself out. Anyways, now we would pursue things in life in such a way that it is a desire, it's something that we want. Remember, as you grow in the Christian faith, one thing that happens to you, there's, there's a shift of your desires, and one thing that should shift as you continue to follow Jesus is the things that cause you to be like him. Characteristics and qualities that we would say were growing to be Christ-like. And the list that, that Timothy 
receives from Paul in both the letters are, are characteristics and qualities that continue to make us into Jesus. Remember John the Baptist talking about uh, what he was doing in his ministry uh, as the forerunner of Jesus, this great prophet. At some point he said, look, but he's got to become greater and I've got to become less. That's the way this works. That's the way it should work with us inwardly. He becomes greater, I become less. When, when uh, Jesus encourages us to pick up our cross daily, part of that process is in order, if you really want to save your life, if you want to have life, you've got to learn how to lose this, this life. He becomes greater, I become less. In other words, there's, there's a change, but part of that change is because you begin to desire difference in your life. And with the help and the partnering of the Holy Spirit, it begins to happen. So we've been talking about some of these things that uh, Paul has given Timothy. So let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's see, verse number 11. We'll pick up on our next thing that we're talking about. He says, but as for you, well, I like this right here. O man of God. Paul, Paul is really giving Timothy an encouragement here. Timothy's a younger guy, by the way. If you know, uh, later he says in the letter, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. So Timothy's young. But here he encourages him with the statement, man of God. I like that. Now, that kind of terminology is usually reserved for like the prophets or something like that. But Paul grabs that and gives it to Timothy. I want you to know that if you have given your life to Jesus, you are a man or a woman of God. That is who you are. Do you believe that? That, that's who you are. You say, I ain't perfect yet. I, I know that. I'm, I'm well aware of that. Me too. I'm not there yet either. But yet there's an understanding. Not, not prideful. Not in a look at me kind of way. Not that there's a halo, a, a, a thing of light that follows me around everywhere I go or anything like that. But you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. That is your standing. Now, once you begin to identify yourself as that, in so many different ways you can talk about it. I'm a child of God, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm reconciled, all sorts of things we can say there. That gives you an outlook of life because as a man or a woman of God, again, your perspective needs to change on what life is about. If you are a man or a woman of God, think about it, of God, that's a designation, not only of your status, but it is now the perspective of my life is God-infused. That how I see and, and how I hear and, and how I process what's going on now comes through this idea of who I am in him, and that changes everything. Have you noticed since, since you've been following Jesus how your perspective of life changes? How you look at things differently? how you learn how to approach things differently, how you respond differently. What you think life is really all about starts to change, right? That is because you are a man or a woman of God. Okay, let's keep reading. Now, it says flee these things in the context Timothy uh, was receiving from Paul before this not falling into the trap of, of loving money and things like that. Flee those things. 
But in fleeing, then now learn how to pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness. We talked about that last week. Faith, love, we're going to talk about that next week. Steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. Okay, we'll stop there. So today is, what does it mean to pursue faith? Now, when I read that, it's sort of, it, it comes, it's sort of a, uh, I want to say, odd way of, of putting it, because, well, you can't, you can't be in relationship with Jesus unless you've had faith. So what's it mean to pursue faith? Now, now how is faith born in you? Who is the author of your faith? Who is the perfecter of your faith? Okay, so what happens is salvation is that I've heard the good news of Jesus. I've heard the gospel. And however that happened for you, the hearing of that produced faith in you. Jesus is the author of our faith. So we respond in faith. We believe, right? So our salvation is wrapped up in God reaching out to us and a response from us in faith to receive what he is doing. Amen. But now we're, we're in faith because we're saved, but what does it mean to pursue faith? Well, remember, faith is um, active belief. Faith is trust. I, th I think sometimes when we think about faith, faith is what I use to get something from God. Well, how about, how about we say this? Faith is active belief. Faith is trust. Remember we were saying about prayer. Prayer isn't always just trying to get God to do something you want, but faith is understanding his will and getting in on what he's up to. You only do that when you trust him. Faith is trust. So pursuing faith, and, and that word, by the way, probably could also uh, be translated faithfulness. We talked about that the first Sunday of, of January this year, that no matter what happens in our year, we're going to remain faithful. See, faith is like this, and, and Lila has a slide, if she'll throw that up there. Pursuing faith is like this. Is the way of living produced from firm belief and trust in God. When we pursue faith, what we're saying is my life is going to be something that comes from the fact that I have firm belief and absolute trust in God. My life is going to show that. So faith is not just believing, but it turns into a way of living. We pursue faith. Now, we were talking last week about godliness, and godliness is, is life shaped and lived in the image of God. So pursuing godliness and pursuing faith, they overlap. They go together. You can't separate the two. The way of living produced from firm belief and trust in God. We must pursue that. Now, again, 
Is that a desire of your heart? Do you desire a life that is shaped because you have faith? Trusting God in a way that he has absolute control. That's the big deal right there. I think we were, last week, I don't remember when I was talking about this, but the whole thing about the remote control of the TV, right? Who's got the remote control in your life? You or God? Or a person or a habit or something? Who has the control of your life? Have you given the remote control to God? So he is the one that gets to pick the channels and when to turn it off and all that business, right? Trust is giving it to him. And, and really praying what Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, we, we pray that prayer and we think outwardly a lot. True, very much outwardly. But when you pray that prayer, that first has to start where? Your kingdom come here. Your will be done here. On earth, in me, as it is in heaven. That's trust. That his will in his way is manifest in my life. I give you control. That's what pursuing faith is. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Here is a, a Proverbs way of looking at pursuing faith. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. But the path straight of life are his will and his ways, because you've given control. That is pursuing faith. I trust God with my entire being, all of my heart, the seed of who I am. As a matter of fact, I trust him so much, I'm not going to lean on my own wisdom, on my own thoughts, on my own way of doing stuff. In everything I do, I'm simply going to acknowledge him. In other words, let him have his way there. And then he will start to teach me and show me and guide me the way to go, and that's the straight path. But, but I love the trust in God with your, all of your heart, everything you are. Do you trust God that much? Have you ever done the trust test with, with a group of people where you stand on a chair or a platform and they stand? And you, have you ever done that? I would never do that. I have faith in people, but not that much faith. If you, if you line my friends up, and there is no way. Actually, it's not happening because it would turn into a joke and I'd be hitting the ground. And it'd be, you know, how many know what I'm talking about? But do you trust God that way to blindly give yourself to him? That you just, you just step off and let him grab you and shape you and form you and teach you and say, now this is the way to live. But God, I think it should be this way. And he's just going, I know, I know. Trust me. But God, I've always done it this way. He goes, I understand that. But trust me. You know, the world does it this way. He goes, I do know that. But will you just trust me? And let him give you paths that are straight. So in the scriptures, 
we find there are people that live these lives of faith and their lives responded to God and his will and his ways. So we're going to look at a, a, a person in the scriptures today. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at Abraham for a few moments this morning. Galatians and Romans both confirm that Abraham, as we know from the story of scripture, that Abraham is our father in faith. He, he is the one who responded in faith. He found his righteousness in a response of faith, belief, and trust. And the amazing story of Abraham that really kicks off God's redemption plan, leads all the way to Jesus, as the promise to Abraham is that God will bless the nations through him. That's Jesus, okay? But Abraham is, is the one we look at as an example of a life of faith, pursuing faith, as we have one of our values to live by faith. So Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, now if, if you're sort of new with the scriptures, notice it doesn't say Abraham there, it says Abram, and we'll, we'll get to that in a few moments. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And, and then you can just pick up from there and just read all the way down through the scriptures and see how the story of Abram works out. But here's Abram. Abram is a Gentile. Did you know that? The first calling of faith was responded to a person that wasn't a Jew because the Jews didn't exist yet. Think about that. He became the, the nation of Israel. It was Jacob, right? You see what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, uh, Abram and his family were idol worshipers in the land of Ur, probably most likely modern-day Iraq. So God shows up to somebody that may not have really known him and said, hey, and shows up into a way that he recognizes and, and, and hears. He says, hey, I want you to pick up from where you are and go somewhere. Right? And with this, this direction comes a blessing, a purpose, a calling. And I love, I love the simple response of Abram was, okay. So Abram got up and went. And he, and he took some of his caravan with him, most likely nomadic people. But see, the thing about a life of pursuing faith or a life of faith is that when you give God that kind of control, he reshapes entirely who you are. You see that? That kind of control. So much that it, I, 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 would, I would imagine, and it doesn't give you in between the lines here, I would imagine Abram, his life was okay. Wasn't lacking for anything, right? Wasn't like there was a lot of problems there, it doesn't say. But whatever his condition was, God called him 
and said, okay, but I've got something else for you that is in me, in my will. I'm going to make you into something, and that something is great. See, things that come out of pursuing a life of faith in God is that God will, first of all, call you out of the world because he's going to start to give you an identity change. You see that? You're not going to pursue faith and stay in the world in the sense that you're still like the world. It doesn't happen that way. You can't have best of both worlds. You can't walk the line. When you give God control, he's going to call you out of it into something that he has for you. In other words, as we start to see, the nation of Israel literally set up a border physical land kingdom. That's what it was going towards, right? He's calling you out of the world into the kingdom of God. And what does it mean to live in this world in his kingdom? So the life of faith starts to say, hey, this life that you're living, okay, we're going we're to do some things that mark you as my child belonging to me. So he always calls you out of stuff. Now, how many of you have been following Jesus more than 10 years. Okay, so you could tell stories of things you have come out of probably. Some, some of them may not be big, but some of them may be big, right? Because he's always taking us somewhere. He's taking us out of the world. Even though we're still here, we live in society, but yet within society, we are a peculiar people belonging to God. Amen. So the life of faith, pursuing faith, will bring you out of the world, learning how to live in his kingdom now. Second thing, and I, I love this. When God calls you and you begin to live by faith, he reorients your life and gives you purpose. Now, I have, a, I have a, just a little picture. Lila's got it back there. This is a, uh, I just found this on the internet. Throw that up there, Lila. So, so here, here's supposedly Abram. And later, as we see this great nation, God uh, in other places, uh, he, he says, it's like, look up and see the stars of the sky. So shall your descendants be. And it's like Abram is realizing, uh, if he can even comprehend it, what God is saying to him. See, purpose in life does two different things. And we're going to talk about purpose on Wednesday nights uh, in February. Purpose in life connects you first off to the big picture of God's redemptive plan. That's, that's saying a lot right there. But in other words, purpose in your life is bigger than you. That's why you share the gospel with other people. You see what I'm saying? That, that is why it's not just about, it's never self Focus. It's bigger than you. And that, that, that is what Abram's catching right there. This is way bigger than me. But then it also comes down to a personal purpose because that actually happened because of actions of Abram's life. Does that make sense? So if, if you're sitting here going, I'm not sure what my life is really about, pursue faith in God, he will bring those out of you. 
You, you have reason. You're not here by accident. You're just not kind of wandering through life and, and just trying to do the best you can. You have specific design for being here. So catch that in your hearts, okay? And then come back Wednesdays in February. We'll tell you more about it. A little commercial there. <laughs> but he wants, as, as, see, as he calls you out of one thing, he puts you with purpose into another thing. That's what he does. That's what God's up to. But this happens because we actually trust him. So the best story I can tell you is the story of my life. So at 17 when I got saved, I made radical life changes because maybe in part because of my ignorance, I completely trusted God to tell me to do whatever he told me to do, and I would just do it. I'd just walk off in the, in the, the wild blue yonder if he told me to do that. Changed my life completely just because I trusted him. You need that kind of trust, not only with those kind of things, but the, the very components of, that make you up to be who you are. That kind of trust. That God will lead you a path, a purpose in life, that's directly connected to his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven as we wait for him to return. You give him control. So pursuing faith shapes your life. Makes you into something, but it's directly connected to what happened then in verse 4. So Abraham simply obeyed. You ever read the story... Uh, Exodus 3, when, when the burning bush and Moses is tending the sheep and he sees a strange sight and he goes over to see what in the world's happening and then the bush starts to talk to him and say, hey, don't get any closer, take your sandals off. And he begins to meet this incredible, wonderful God that can even make the dirt holy. Then, then he calls him, Abraham responds, and now he shapes purpose for his life. My people that you know are in slavery, go get them out. If you read that story, Moses starts to argue with them. I don't know about you, but there was a bush on fire somewhere. And I went over to it and started talking to me. I realized it's God. I'm not sure I'd argue a whole lot. You know, it's just kind of, I don't know. Abram, uh, Moses had some, had some to him, I guess. But he starts to argue with him. All these excuses, listen, he gave all these excuses why he couldn't. My speech, is there's something with my speech. Maybe he had a stuttering issue. I don't know. But he, he had an issue with his speech. What if they don't believe that you really sent me? I don't know how many different excuses he gave. And finally, at the end of it, the Bible says the anger of the Lord burned against him. In other words, he was just done. Quit with your excuses. If I called you to do it, who are you to say you can't? Am I not the one who made you? Am I not the one who put in you what I'm drawing out of you? Am I not the one who's with you? Stop making excuses for why you can't. See, uh, so we, we have a policy on staff, uh, in the church staff. So when something happens or a question's asked or something, we have a policy that says find a reason to say yes. That way, if you say no, you really had a good reason. You're not just blowing things up. Find a reason to say yes. Well, when God calls you and you realize things to him, you don't have to find a reason. You can just say yes because he's God. Amen. And you trust, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
not leaning on your own understanding, which is all your excuses, but in all your ways you acknowledge him, then he's going to be with you to make your path straight. So the faith life is all bound up in obedience. Listen, here's what I know. I know that there's a lot of people that wish God would speak to them. So, so, so I know if you want God to speak to you, be a student of the word. That, that's the first thing, right? But I also know beyond that, specific things you're praying about, direction, uh, whether it's purpose, things like this, we want God to speak to us very clearly. But when he does, will you obey him? That's the kicker right there. Well, God, well, God I, okay, but I really didn't need, mean that. How about this? I really wanted you to, to say this. And he's saying, I'm not after what you want. I don't want to lean on your understanding. How about you acknowledge me in all your ways and trust me? That you would literally stand on the platform and go, okay, and fall backwards and let him catch you because you trust him. That's pursuing faith. And it will absolutely change your life. So some, of, some of it, like this, some of it is part of a long-term life with him. As a matter of fact, when it comes to Abraham, if you go, and we won't go there today, Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the great hall of faith. And it starts off, faith is uh, being sh uh, believing what you cannot see and being sure of what you hope for. Then it, then it recounts all the great people of faith that we find in our scriptures and our stories. But it ends that chapter 11, near the end it says, but none of them ever really see, saw the end of, of their belief. And it puts us back to the fact this is all bigger than us. So did Abraham actually see this? No. He, he had to live a life of faith and eventually had a son. That's not, that's not uh, as many as the stars in the sky. That's a single son. As a matter of fact, he struggled with trusting God so much, he went and tried to do it himself and had, had a child with, with uh, a, a mistress of his wife. And that turned into a mess. Again, Abraham leaning on his own understanding and not trusting God. Did Abraham see the end of it? No, but purpose is always bigger than you. That's why we understand it's a lifelong of pursuing faith. Remember that word pursue is an ongoing, not one time, ongoing. Lifelong pursuit. Genesis chapter 17. Let's just jump in a little further in the story here. I'll close after this. You guys can make your snow trek home. Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 1. When Abram was 99, ain't none of you 99 in here yet, so age is not a barrier to God speaking and leading you. All right. When Abram was 99... Years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, let me just throw something in here. Often we are constantly looking for God to say something new to me. 
Give me something fresh. I want to hear a new word and all this different kind of stuff. If you read the stories of these people, more often than not, it's God reconfirming what he said in the first place. Right? Reconfirming what he already said. Quit always looking for God to do something different when you're still walking out what he told you the first time. Right? Okay, let's keep reading here. Verse 2, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Again, confirming what he said at first. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of multiple nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. And I'll make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And ultimately, that's the line of Israel leading to Jesus. And I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring uh, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I'll give you and your, to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. So most of you know this guy in the Bible is Abraham, not as Abram, but here's the place where it changes. Simply to say this, that the life of faith that we pursue in God, ultimately the change will happen that your identity will absolutely change. In other words, Abraham, now Abraham, found his life entirely rewritten by God because of his faith. And that's what happens we follow God in faith. We lose our life and our identity and gain the life and the identity that God intends for us. That's, that's what I want. I don't want to be me and old me. I want to be what God intends. I want to be what God intended when he knew me before I was born in my mother's womb. That's who I want to be. I want that whole becoming less so he can be greater. I want to save my life by losing my life. I want that to happen. It happens by following God in faith. God didn't change Abram's name at first. He changed it after the journey had been for a while. That's very symbolic of how our life changes as we go with him. I, I wish the moment you got saved, you're a new creation, but I wish it worked itself out right then. But it doesn't work that way. Now comes this life of pursuing faith, life shaped by God, that if you keep on this long-term discipleship, this identity change begins to happen. New fruits growing from your life. Who you are becomes different. Now you're an intention of God. Now purpose that he put deep within you and your creation starts to come out of you. Things come out of you you had no idea were in there. That's the way God works. But it only happens because you trust him that much. You trust him that much that he can have that much of his way with you. So he pursued faith. Amen? Pursued faith. In other words, let's get on with thing, this whole life thing with God. Pray first. Ask what he wants. God, what is your will in this situation? What, what, what is your kingdom about here? How do I respond to this situation? God, what do you want me to do? You, you live life 
giving him that place, that trust, he will shape you and shape what you do. So I am where I'm at in life because I've followed Jesus since I've age 17. Now, let me tell you something. Being in the will of God does not mean life is perfect. doesn't mean you never fall down and scrape your knee up. That's not true. It doesn't mean I've made a place of perfection. But what I know is every day I commit my day. And for some reason down the road in the future, he tells me, go do something different. I'm going to trust him and say, okay, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And live life in the paths that he calls straight. Right? It's a life being shaped and formed by him. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. How about, how about we all stand up? So, so, so what are some of the, the old names of your life that you've been changed from? Man, I, I was, my old identity was I was dishonest or I was lustful. I was a cheat. I, I was addicted. I was, and you, you but, but now I'm being changed into something else. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting an identity change here by following God in faith. What, what are some of the things you can think about that God is drawing out of you because you're following him? You know, think things about life. I mean, I think, I think, I think a lot of times this happens subtly. I wish, I wish all of us would have a moment when there's God or an angel and they, they give you a big vision and you see it and they're talking. I wish it doesn't happen for all of us. I get it. But learning how to live in the presence of God, being led by the Holy Spirit is just the same. Right? Lord, Lord, we commit... We commit ourselves to you. We trust you with our entire being. We trust you with, with our identity. We trust you with our relationships. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our emotional health. We trust you, Lord, with the things that we do in life. We trust you to guide us in purpose. We trust you. And we, we simply respond in obedience. Even, even like Abraham, if we don't have the full picture of how it all works out. We trust you and we follow you. Lord, shape us and make us into what you intend us to be. Lord, we thank you so much that you're, you're very personal. You're, you're not just in, in a big picture way only, but you're very personal to us in these things. It will speak to each of us individually. We thank you for that. Lord, guide us, lead us, strengthen us, empower us to live. We are your, your people. You are our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you have to high-five like three people around you. High-fives, all right, all around. High-fives, don't just stand there and stare at me. High-five somebody, all right. There you go.